morning. Let me be one of the first to help you start this season by saying Merry Christmas. Yeah, you might as well get ready for it because it's here. It's here. Would you stand and grab your copy of God's Word with me this morning? John chapter 1. John chapter 1. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 1. A lot of exciting things happening this month. Don't forget to check the EPAG app for opportunities to make a difference in other people's lives. Akenna Gifts. Goats and Coats. What a name. Goats and Coats. Uh, you can also, if you'd like to give to bless even some people within the EPAG family, we have those that we will bless this Christmas season who may be in need. You can do that through our Benevolence Fund. Feel free to do that at any point. Thanks for being generous and faithful. And uh, I'm excited for what God has in store for us. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome or understood or comprehended or conquered it. Skip down a few verses to verse 14 with me, if you will. Then the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we thank You for Your Word. I ask as we kick off this season together, Lord, that we would honor you most of all. That God, in the hustle and bustle of the season and in the midst of all the different things we get to be a part of, I pray more than anything, we will reflect on the truth, Lord, that you have done so much for us. I pray in these moments, O oh Lord, that you would speak through me and that we would have ears to listen to what you're saying. I pray that we will respond to the, the practical application of this message in our lives. And uh, God, that this will be one of the most incredible seasons of Christmas we've ever had. Thank you for this wonderful people. I pray this be a moment where you shine, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. No matter where you stand on when a person should begin to celebrate Christmas... Whether you are the person who listens to Christmas music in July or whether you're the person who waits to put up a Christmas tree on December the 24th, wherever you stand on when a person should begin to celebrate Christmas, we are definitely officially in the season of Christmas now. You can see Christmas lights, Christmas trees, Christmas wreaths. Uh, you, can, you can see all the fancy outfits or even the ugly sweaters. You can be a part of singing Jingle Bells, Let It Snow, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus, The Twelve Days of Christmas, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas or We Wish You a Merry Christmas, or if you like Porky Pig's Blue Christmas, Michael Buble or Mariah Carey singing All I Want for Christmas is You. Yeah, see, somebody knew it. That's right. There are parties, there are gift exchanges. There are people who play White Elephant or Dirty Santa, not sure what the difference is, but they're ugly either way. The hustle and bustle of making every get-together, it seems like there are more every year, whether it's your family, your work, uh, perhaps even so many gifts that have to be bought because you drew someone's name or you've got to be a part of a party, maybe even a little too much on the materialistic side. 
time with family or friends, time off of work. Okay, at least one in the crowd. Food. I mean, sugar cookies. And then I'm going to eat some more sugar cookies. And then I'm going to eat a few more sugar cookies and some ham and some more sugar cookies with some sprinkles. And I might give a few away to somebody else. And then there's Christmas movies. And uh, of course, I'm sure in the room and online today, there are fans of Hallmark movies that have the exact same storyline in every movie. Girl moves away from home, lives in a bigger city, makes a lot of money, has some weird reason why she has to go back home to this country podunk town. While she's there, she somehow ends up on a horse and carriage with her high school sweetheart who rekindles the romance, and she finds out something about him she didn't know, and they end up in a relationship, and the rest is merry ever after. Come on, if that's not the storyline of Hallmark movies, I don't know what is. All the guys in the room said amen. Amen. Then there's Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Home Alone 3, Home Alone 77, and Home Sweet Home Alone. If you haven't seen the new one, it's actually hilarious. Then there's Elf. Okay, I'm in a church and I'm singing. Then there's The Christmas Story. There's Santa Claus 1, 2, and 47. And then there's traditions. We all have them. I asked our staff this week, I said, tell me, tell me about your family traditions, and I'll let you determine which ones of these are which staff members. The first one is that each person in the home opens one of the gifts under the trees on Christmas Eve. Anybody else have that tradition? You get to open one gift? Does anybody go for the biggest one or the loudest one when you shake it? One other staff member said that they make homemade pizza all from scratch. Never thought of pizza as a Christmas food, but I mean, it sounds good. Someone else said that they go and visit Christmas lights all together and then eat a very, very merry Christmas dinner at McDonald's afterwards. (laughs) Gotta tell you, not thinking about the golden arches on December 25th or anywhere close by. And then the last one, again, I'll let you be the judge. They eat Rocky Mountain Oyster Stew at Christmas. If you don't know what Rocky Mountain Oyster Stew is made of, see me after service. (laughs) And of course, for Jesus' followers, in addition to all of those things, there's the true Christmas story. There's the nativity scenes, whether they are the willow people or whether you've made them out of, out of all sorts of different materials these days. The songs that capture the true narrative of Christmas, Silent Night, O Holy Night, Away in a Manger, Joy to the World. The reading of scripture narratives that capture angelic visits to a uh, teenage virgin, virgin girl, a husband-to-be, and even shepherds in a field. And Special Christmas Eve service with candlelight at your local church and the Christmas morning gathered around an EPAC special called Home for Christmas. By the way, that was a shameless plug. This season brings a sense of familiarity. Familiarity is not always a bad thing, but I do pose the question today, when does familiarity become a bad thing? We can sing the songs without contemplating the words. 
We can hear someone read the Christmas narratives while multitasking, sitting in a service just like this, finalizing our Amazon shopping list. You laugh because it's true. We can sit in services and in groups and be thinking about all that needs to be done this season before the family gets to our house. I pose to us today, what if all the rest of it was gone? What if all we had this Christmas was just the truth about Jesus? If I had one desire for a Christmas season for Jesus followers, it would be that we would rediscover the significance of the celebration called Christmas. And that we would recalibrate our hearts not towards things and stuff and all of the ways that culture teaches us we should celebrate Christmas, but that we would recalibrate our hearts towards Jesus, the real reason for this season. John captured much of Jesus' earthly ministry in his gospel. In fact, John probably captured a greater emphasis on Jesus' miracles than other gospel writers. Uh, He was an eyewitness, and as an eyewitness, John experienced so much of what happened while Jesus was on earth. But unlike other gospel writers, John didn't start by writing about the birth of Jesus. Neither did John start by talking about John the Baptist right off the bat, or or did he start by talking about the ministry of Jesus at that 30-year-old mark. Before John wrote about the work of Jesus, he first wrote about the person of Jesus. There were were some in John's day who attempted to deny the deity of Jesus, the fact that he was fully God. So rather than starting with the work of Jesus, John started with the understanding of Jesus as God. He knew his audience wouldn't understand the significance of Jesus and all that he did unless they understood that Jesus was in fact God. Understanding that Jesus was God makes what he did even more remarkable. Let's take a look at the characteristics that John described about Jesus. First, uh, John referred to Jesus as the Word. And what that simply means is that Jesus was the personal revelation of God the Father. If we want to know who God is and what God's all about, all we have to do is look at Jesus. John emphasized to us that Jesus was eternal. Obviously today, we're coming from the perspective of prior to our time. We know that these things are still true today. John emphasized that Jesus was eternal. In the beginning was the Word. It's probably better for us to understand this verse of Scripture. Before there was a beginning, the Word was. Before creation happened, as we know it, Jesus already was. That's why in Scripture, he's referred to as the I Am. He was, he is, he always will be, he's always I Am. He's always present in every moment, and yet he exists outside of time and is not limited by any factor. Secondly, John emphasized that Jesus was with God. The Word was with God. We see in John's writings the same thing that we've seen throughout all of Scripture and we see emphasized again throughout the Gospels. There is a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We commonly refer to that relationship as the Trinity. 
the, the relationship of the Trinity, the presence of the Trinity, we see even all the way back at the creation account in Genesis. When God would say, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. The Bible talks about Jesus being actively involved in creation. We'll even read a verse along those lines in just a moment. We even read that the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. So all three components, persons of the Godhead were present at creation. And we see this throughout the narrative of Scripture. Moments when the Trinity were all three persons present at one time. Nothing can separate God the Father from God the Son... And nothing can separate God the Holy Spirit from God the Father and God the Son. They live in perfect unity. Jesus even said when he was on earth doing ministry that what he did was a revelation of what he knew from the Father. He talked about the Holy Spirit who would live in us. And he emphasized that the Holy Spirit would not speak on his own, but rather he would speak to us what he heard from the Father. What Jesus knew from the throne room he brought to us. Jesus was God. And then, as I said a moment ago, Jesus was active in creation. John said, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. The Apostle Paul would write in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 of Jesus, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Then John also emphasized to us that Jesus was life and light. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood or overcome it. Now you may not know this, you may not have sat down to count, but in the gospel writings, John used the word life 36 times. We can say that it's a theme of his gospel. In fact, it's such a theme in his writings that when you get to his epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, in 1st John alone, he uses the word life 13 times. When you get to the Revelation, which is actually the revelation of Jesus Christ, if you understand the writings of Revelation, the word life is again mentioned 17 more times. As creator, Jesus brought physical life. As redeemer, Jesus brought spiritual life. Life was the ultimate need of all humanity. Death was a result of sin. It wasn't intended by God, but was a result of humanity choosing not to listen to the instruction of God, to instead to do things their own way. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin or the consequences of sin is death. So, death was a result of sin and a certain consequence for anyone who doesn't deal with the sin problem. Life was the ultimate need of all humanity. The word light is associated with good, which is often obviously associated with God. And it doesn't just mean that God does good things. It means that God is good in that He is pure and perfect in everything that He does and in His character. Darkness, of course, represents evil. So all of evil and all of the the enemy and demonic powers could not stop, this is what John teaches us, could not stop the light from coming into the world. Jesus brought light to the reality that humanity needed life. 
Jesus revealed God the Father to the world. And he brought an increasing revelation to the sinful condition of humanity. So when we reflect on Christianity, we're not reflecting on just a philosophy. When we reflect on Christianity, it's not based on just a school of thought. It is based on the person, the God-man, Jesus Christ. He is life and light as a contrast to death and darkness. So John initially starts his, his writings by basically giving us a theological framework to understand everything from that point that Jesus was going to do in his life. But there's a little more to it. When you fast forward just a few verses down in John chapter 1, verse 14, we see that the one who was, was God and was with God and was actively involved in creation and was before creation began... We see in John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is what we refer to as the incarnation. God becoming human, showing us His glory, offering grace and truth, dwelling among humanity. Jesus coming directly from the Father's presence, stepping in to humanity. Jesus did this. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul wrote that Jesus made himself nothing. Now, that doesn't mean he wasn't still God. It means when you compare where Jesus was and what it was like, he stepped from perfection down into imperfection. Everything in, in heaven, dwelling with God the Father, was perfect. But he, be, he made himself nothing, took on the very nature of a servant, and was made in human likeness. Now, we will arrive at Bethlehem later this month to reflect on all that took place there. But imagine, Jesus took on the form of a human. And here's the part that I find interesting. Jesus didn't just take on the form of a human and step down as a grown man. He came in the form of a baby. And in the form of a child, just like we were, he was dependent on someone to take care of him. He was dependent on someone to feed him and change him. God stepped into humanity and was seen in appearance as a man he was light and life. It's so great to fathom that Jesus, God, stepped into humanity. But it, it's deeper than that. Because he came as the gift sent from God. Now Christmas, at uh, this time of year, a lot is made about this big chubby guy with a big white beard and a big red suit and a big black belt buckle, right? And he travels from house to house supposedly giving all of these gifts. But here's the deal. Santa Claus ain't got nothing on what we're talking about here. Santa Claus is thought, and we sing about it, right? He's making a list. He's very good. You know your Christmas songs. Checking a list, or making a list, checking it twice. Going to find out who's... Okay, so with this idea of Santa Claus, it's the good boys and girls get gifts... And the bad boys and girls get coal in their stocking, right? The difference being that Jesus was the gift of God for all humanity. 
and none of humanity was good. Jesus was the light shining in darkness, reminding us that we need an answer for our own sin problem. Jesus was life. The Bible says that prior to Christ, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And we were on our way to eternal separation from God. We needed life, and in Jesus, life would be found. Jesus didn't just step into humanity But when he stepped into humanity, he also changed the course of history. Look at verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. No longer would history need to record a gap between God and humanity. But Jesus, as a gift, the gift from God, would go on to bridge the gap between God and humanity, making it possible for you and I to have restored relationship with God. Salvation. The answer for the sin issue in our hearts was made possible through Jesus. We celebrate Christmas this way, not because of the gifts, the trees, and the festivities, but because we recognize this God-man would be born as a human being and would go from Christmas to the cross. As one writer said, Jesus experienced human birth so that we could experience spiritual birth. The Creator stepped into creation so that creation could be reunited with the Creator. So what am I saying to you today? Well, it's very simple. If we had none of the rest, if it wasn't about ham and sugar cookies, if it wasn't about Christmas trees, Christmas lights, Christmas wreaths, and anything else you can think of with the decorations, if all the gifts under the tree were gone, If Christmas was absent of all the things that we consider part of the Christmas celebration, for a Jesus follower, the celebration must still go on. Because Jesus left the comforts of heaven to enter the pain of humanity. He left perfection to enter imperfection so that imperfection, we could be made perfect. He would take on our imperfection and we would be made perfect in Christ. He came to be light and life to us that we wouldn't otherwise have. Now, before you misunderstand me, I'm not suggesting, suggesting that you have to get rid of all of the rest. I'm not calling you to a, a, a place of, of no gifts, no trees, no food, no nothing. Maybe you really need those new socks this year. Maybe, maybe you want to get one more dance in to Jingle Bell Rock. But I'm urging you today, as a kickoff officially, if you will, to this season. That while you celebrate this season, make sure that in the midst of all the festivities and all the decorations and all the food and all the gifts and all the time with people, make sure that the King, Jesus, gets your praise. Make sure that Jesus is the greatest focus. Why? Because He's the greatest gift He's the only gift that truly keeps on giving. He's the gift that fits all sizes, speaks all languages, transcends all cultures, and meets all needs. It's how we can say at Christmas time, even if I have none of the rest, I'm content and I have everything I need so long as I have Jesus. Yeah, give God some praise.
So I want to challenge you today. And if you're, you're taking notes, you can write these couple of things down. They're not, they're not new. They're not profound. They're just calling us to a place of intentionality. During this season, I want to challenge you that as easy as it is to get caught up in the busyness, and, and December is typically a really full month on the calendar, uh, as easy it is, as it is to get caught up in the busyness and as easy as it is to get caught up in all the stuff, would you take some time this season, carve time to read and to study the Christmas narrative and let that awe of God settle into your heart again? Let those, those feelings and emotions and, and all of the things that, that took place in those moments where the angels would come and speak to people and where all of these incredible things would take place, let those things soak into your being so that you're focused in remembering what this season's really all about. Spend time to do that yourself. And then secondly, I would challenge you to spend time doing that as a family unit. And parents, especially if you have kids, I challenge you to take some time. Teach them the real meaning of Christmas. It's not wrong to give gifts. It's not wrong to eat food. It's not wrong to spend time with family. Not wrong to be at all these parties. Have a good time. Laugh. God gives us so many things to enjoy in this life. That's scripture. At the same time, I want to challenge you that you help your children grow up learning the importance of being in Christ more than the importance of having all the stuff. Create in them an understanding of contentment in Christ rather than discontentment in stuff. Because here's the truth. You can get all the stuff and still not be content. You can get all the stuff and life still not be full. You can still be empty. So many people in our world today, that's their situation. Why? Because they got the stuff and they don't have Jesus. Teach your children in this season to spend time studying through that narrative to understand the greatest work that's ever been done in our lives to make possible reconciliation with God was done through Jesus Christ. Make sure your children, your family know that. I believe that as you do that, you will want to spend time in worship and giving thanks this season. I don't know how you read this, this narrative and how you study what God has done without having a grateful heart as a result. When you think of God trading the comfort to, to enter the uncomfortable for us, when you, when you think of all that we've even talked about just today, the reality of God stepping into humanity, how could you read that? How could you study that and not say, Oh God, I praise you for doing for my life what I could not do. Spend time in worship. And then lastly today, I would encourage you that if you really want to be mindful of Christ in this season, give the gift of Jesus to somebody else. Whether that's, whether that's you're including a note with a, a gift you're giving, whether that's a conversation with your family or your friends that you're spending time with, whether that's a moment in those gatherings to read the Christmas narrative and make sure that Jesus is lifted up in those moments, take an opportunity to offer the gift of Jesus to someone else. Because listen, they may think they need a new Keurig to make coffee, or they may think they need a new waffle maker, or they may think that they need a, a, a brand new iPhone 14 Pro Max that's about this big. 
But what everybody needs is Jesus. What everybody needs. I want more than anything that my family, my friends, the people around me would know the beauty of being in a relationship with God. And so this season as we think about giving material gifts and physical gifts, let's make sure that we offer the greatest gift to humanity. That's Jesus. I'm going to ask you today, if you're in the auditorium, would you stand with me? And if you're online, would you take a few moments to respond where you are? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I I do that simply because I want to encourage you to to be able to listen in to what God is saying. I want to encourage you in this moment to, to not be distracted or caught up in other things, but just to have some time with God right now. I could preach this message and we could pray and move on, but I feel like If we're going to talk about the greatest gift, then why not offer the opportunity for someone to receive? And so today I want to ask you, have you ever received the gift of salvation in your life? Have you ever made a decision to follow Jesus? Have you ever recognized what He's done and why it's important to your life and confessed your own sinful condition so that you may be saved and on a different trajectory in life? See, the bad news is, That in the beginning, we see the revelation of the human heart. The human heart wants to do its own thing. Wants to be selfish in its ways. Wants to rebel against God. So when sin was committed, it wasn't the way God intended. Go back and read in the creation account the perfection of God's creation. In fact, he would say, I I see, the, the Bible would say that he saw what he made and it was good. It was perfect. But then when sin entered, that decision to go against what God said didn't just enter then, it entered into the lifeblood of humanity. So every person that's born is born under that curse, under that power, under the consequences even of sin. That's the bad news. But the good news, the best news you could ever hear, is that God loved you so much that He gave the greatest gift for your life that you could ever receive in Jesus. Jesus, the God-man, stepped into humanity, took on the form of flesh, born as a baby, grown to be a man, went to the cross, and did more than just physically hang on the cross. He spiritually paid the price. He took the sin debt. He took the punishment we deserved against for rebelling against God. He took our place so that we wouldn't have to suffer, so that we wouldn't have to know eternal separation from God, so that we could be saved and walking in a right relationship with Him. Maybe today you have questions. Maybe today you don't understand it all. Maybe today you need someone to walk with you through this conversation. Maybe today you recognize you were once walking really closely with God, but today you know, you know in your own heart that you're not where you need to be. I grew up in, in being in church quite a bit in my life, and I remember hearing a number of pastors give opportunities for people to respond, and I, there was a temptation to begin to think that, that pastors sometimes were going to do the best they can to tell the worst version they could to guilt people into saying yes to Jesus. I realized along the way that they really were just very serious about this being important. And I realized today that what they said years ago is true right now just as much as it was then. And that's this. None of us are promised tomorrow. There is an eternity on the other side of this life. And what we do with Jesus determines how we spend eternity. 
So if, if you haven't believed the gospel, if you haven't welcomed the gift of Jesus into your life, if you haven't confessed Him as Savior and Lord of your life, I cannot urge you enough to know the beauty of walking in relationship with God. Learning His voice, knowing His ways, experiencing His revelation, knowing the promise of eternal life, knowing the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. I'm going to ask today, there are some people in the room we call prayer partners, and they're simply here to partner with you in prayer. I'm going to ask them to come, if they will, on either side of the platform. And and today, they're going to be available. If you have questions about salvation, if if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, and you know today that you need to, even if it's maybe different from that, maybe today we haven't talked a lot about burdens and needs, but this season you're feeling really uh, broken, you're feeling like life's somewhat of a mess, you're dealing with a lot of things that are far outweighing any possible celebration in your life. Today I want to challenge you to take some time, connect with people who will encourage you and point you to Jesus and spend some time in Let God work in your needs. Let God lead your life. Let God do what only He can. He's real. He's relational. And He's as relevant to your life today as He's ever been. I can't encourage you enough to know Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to trust in these moments that you respond as you need to today. Maybe maybe it's to receive the gift of Jesus and the gift of salvation and to make Him the Lord of your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's to, to commit yourself to, to reading the Christmas narrative throughout this season. Maybe it's just a, a, a moment of saying, Lord, I'm sorry if I've gotten all the busyness and stuff for the season ahead of really remembering what this is all about. I'm going to pray for you and I challenge you to respond today what God, to what God is saying to us. Father, I pray today that if there be any hearts who are not yours, that don't belong to you, any, any people who have not made a decision to know you, to follow you, that today they'll have a revelation and understanding of you, Jesus. And they'll receive the gift of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. That all of us, oh God, throughout this season will recognize that while the gift may be free to us, it came at a high price. You gave your life, Jesus. You went through it all for us. We thank you for that. And I ask you, Lord, that this be one of the most incredible Christmas seasons that we've all ever experienced. But it not be just because of what somebody gave us or what, or what some, some gift would have been or what great, how great the decorations were, the food was, or the friend. All of those things can be fun and important and timely. But Lord, more than anything, may this be the greatest season because we recognize who you are, what you've done, and we share you with others around us. Father, I pray that you would bless and keep this people. And you would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor ever be turned in their direction. And grant them your peace. Go with us and keep us. And in these moments as we respond in prayer, I pray, O Lord, you will do a genuine, wonderful work in our hearts. May we honor you. In Jesus' name.